Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. They would be enshrined in the Childhood Games Hall of Fame. First ballot, first year, they would go in undisputed. Games like this, 7-Up. Anybody remember that game? Okay, one of my all-time favorite right here, Kick the Can. Anybody remember Kick the Can? Okay, no, some of you are too young. Okay, Musical Chairs. Have you ever been in a violent game of musical chairs? Okay, yeah, yeah. They would all go in on first ballot. But there would be this perennial nominee that would never get my vote. Never. It would be, it would be nominated year after year. It would be uh, the Pete Rose of, of, of childhood games. It would never go in. It's called the quiet game. I hate the quiet game. Notice I didn't say I hated because I still hate it. I, even to this day, I don't like the quiet game. But we've been talking about this. The issue with that is, is this, that um, we as believers, as followers of God, we are following the world's most accomplished quiet game player. He, as loud and as powerful and as omnipotent and all these things that we used to describe him, uh, with all of that on his resume, God is still extremely able to be quiet. And I don't like that about him, but it's just part of it. And so I've said this over the course of the last three weeks, I've been saying this, the the this, this describes my life. I'm sure it describes some of you as well. It's Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 22. I just stumbled across it several um, weeks ago, and, and it kind of stuck out to me. This sounds like my life. This is God um, speaking to the children of Israel. It says, He spoke in a tremendous voice from the fire and the cloud and the dark mist. That's when God is so loud. And then all of a sudden it says, And that was it. No more words. Ever been in a no more words season of your life? Ever been in one of those times in your life where you need to hear from God and yet it seems like he's so quiet that you can't discern him, can't find him? And so we have this desire to hear him, but it's a struggle at times. And so we've related that to the natural. Um, if you've ever been around folks that struggle to hear, and I won't tell you who I was with yesterday who was struggling to hear because I would be grounded for the rest of my life. But, but I, have you ever been around folks that struggle to hear? And you, there's only two options. One is you got to talk louder. You know, they, they always go, huh, and you got to repeat it louder, or you, you go and get, what, hearing aids, right? There could be some Christmas presents coming this year, hearing aids, hearing aids. And, and, and so I said to you that God doesn't typically tend to raise his voice to us. He's, he's the one with the still, small voice. And so, therefore, we must rely on hearing aids. Our text this morning is the same as it was last week because it sets the scene for us. It's John chapter 10, verse 27. When Jesus said this, he said, my sheep hear my voice. Notice that he doesn't uh, say sometimes or part of the time or occasionally. He, he makes it seem like as followers of him, of, of him, we should have this direct pipeline to hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so we've made this connection that Jesus is very clear that our ability to follow him is directly linked to our ability to hear him. 
If you can't hear Jesus, then it becomes extremely difficult to follow Jesus. Have any of you, am I the only one, have any of you ever come into contact with somebody who thinks they're following Jesus, but you know they're going astray? Have you met somebody like that? And you try to talk to them about it, and they, they resist, and they, they, they respond. And what we discover is that we have this ability to go our own way if we're not hearing Jesus clearly. So we must hear his voice completely clearly. So we should employ hearing aids. So we started talking about this last week. The Bible very specifically gives us seven hearing aids that are designed to help us filter or judge the leadings, the promptings, the counseling that we get, the guidance from others that we get, so that in the middle of a quiet season or stretch, these hearing aids kick in and they help us discern the voice of God. And so this is what we said. Last week we dealt with the first three. In my opinion, they happen to be the most important three. Uh, the, the four that we're going to talk about today are important, but they, they, they come on almost a secondary category. The first one you will remember was Scripture. Remember, this is the standard by which we judge everything else we hear. This is the foundation that we go off of. This is the underpinning of the ability to hear from God. You are going to struggle to hear from God unless you know the word of God, the voice of God. And so scriptures, number one. Number two was the Holy Spirit. And remember, we talked about this, that the Holy Spirit helps us remember what Jesus' voice sounds like. That is a powerful truth because as Pentecostals, we only want to talk about the speaking side of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you realize there's a hearing side of the Holy Spirit as well? And he reminds us what Jesus sounds like. The third was the prophetic. And we've talked about the fact that the prophetic has been abused and misused and underused and, and, and all this stuff. But, but we cannot fail to embrace the prophetic as a hearing aid because we know that God can speak through us to individuals and we can speak to others under the anointing of the Holy Spirit prophetically and it enables us to hear. All right? Are we all on the same page? So let's go further this morning. We're going to finish it up with these four uh, that, that we need these hearing aids in place. The fourth hearing aid that we need is godly counsel. Godly counsel. I want you to notice two things. First of all, I want you to notice the order because what we tend to do, and maybe I'm just talking about me this morning, but we tend to run to people prior to running to God's Word. I said, I knew I wasn't going to get much help, so I'm just going to amen myself. Amen. All right. We have become so opinion dominated that we have now graduated into being opinion controlled. So it doesn't really, a lot of times if we're not careful, it doesn't really matter what God said. If so-and-so says or so-and-so posts on my Facebook line, my whole life is shattered and my whole destiny is dis destroyed. Because we have allowed people to come into that role and we get the order wrong. We, are, we, are, we have to get the order right because, listen, if God's word says something, then every other opinion is null and void. Okay, I, I got four people that believe that much about the, the Word of God. I'm going to say that one more time. Because we are so opinion controlled. We got to be politically correct. We're opinion controlled. Okay. Uh, but if God's Word says that this and this and this and this is correct, then it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. Okay, I got six that time. Okay. Second, I want you to notice that I made this statement. I said that we need godly counsel. 
There is a huge difference. Some of us have counsel, but it isn't godly counsel. In fact, some of us have surrounded ourselves with counsel that is confusing. And, 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 and if we were really honest about it, we, would, we could even say this. If we were truly discerning, we would make this statement. Not only is it confusing, it's carnal. Because I, I just need to give you a newsflash. Some of the counsel that we surround ourselves with and that we embrace is nothing more than miserable people seeking company in their misery. Okay, I'm going to help you this morning. Some of y'all don't act like you want help this morning. But listen, listen, let me say it like this. You cannot seek counsel from someone uh, about your money if they're bankrupt. They have, they have no found. Okay, all right. Okay, y'all like that one, so maybe you won't. I'm trying to find one to hit. You cannot seek relationship counsel from someone who has a proven track record of failure in that area. doesn't work. Okay, you cannot take life coaching from someone who doesn't have a life. <laughs> okay. But but we surround ourselves with all these the pseudo counselors, and we want to call it godly counseling. But the track record of their life proves that it's not godly counseling. We need to surround and seek out people in our life that God positions there who will give us godly, biblically sound counsel. Biblically, see, do you see the connection? Why I said that one, two, and three is so important? Because four will get you in trouble if you don't have an understanding of number one. So you've got to get biblically sound counsel. Let me just give you some, some advice this morning, biblically sound advice, and I'll prove it here in a second. Here it is. If you only trust your own thoughts, your own choices, your own decision-making ability, you have a pride issue. I know you're smart. Okay. <laughs> All right. But but if you, okay, I'm going to move. If your voice is the only voice that matters in every discussion, then let me tell you what's going to happen. You are headed, I'm just trying to help you. You if your voice has to be the loudest voice in every room, then you are headed for seasons of pain and silence. Cuz how many of you would testify? Can I you remember I used to hand it around and we get all kinds of, but we're going to let you testify. How many of you would testify this morning that being stupid can create seasons of silence in your life? Okay, yeah, okay, I thought so. I, I don't think I was, so, see, Solomon understood that. See, here's where I'm going to prove it biblically. The wisest man who ever walked the planet knew that being a one-man show was a recipe for failure. Listen to what he says. He says this in Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to see what he says. In, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, he says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. This is a safety net for us. God uses people in our life that have godly counsel, and we ought to have as many people in our life that are biblically sound, that can give us biblically sound advice and counsel because there's safety in that. We find safety in that. Number two, because these go hand in hand, or it's actually number five. Number five is not only do we need godly counsel, number five is confirmation. It is a hearing aid. 
the idea of godly counsel and this fifth hearing aid, which is confirmation, drive home the absolute necessity and importance of being in relationship in the body of Christ. These hearing aids do not work outside the body. These, these hearing aids remind us that we will always struggle to hear God clearly when we're in isolation. If you're all by yourself and you've got no relationships in the body of Christ, you will go through, through, through great seasons of silence and struggle to hear God because God uses people to speak to us. And so we need godly counsel, but we also need confirmation. Let me give you some pointers. We are told in Matthew chapter 18 that there is power in agreement. So listen, let me help you this morning because some of you are facing major life decisions. If every solid Bible-centered person you consult is against what you're talking about, it should cause you to pause and go back and consider hearing aid one, two, and three. Okay? In other words... When you are struggling to hear God, you should seek confirmation before making any major decisions. If you haven't heard a word directly from the word, and you haven't heard confirmation by the Holy Spirit, and you have not been given a prophetic word about it, and God, you, you believe that God is saying to do this, you need to stop and seek godly counsel and seek confirmation. Because that will save you trouble in the future. Listen, this hearing aid is a safety net for you. There, so here are my questions for you this morning. Is there any pause from those you submit to? That's a key. I use that phrase on purpose. Those that you submit to. That's part of most of our, okay. A lot of us don't have anybody we submit to. Okay, it's quiet in here this morning. All right. All right. Um, I, listen, I understand that the concept of submitting to someone has been misused and abused, just like the prophetic. I understand that there, even in my younger days, there was a movement. Uh, it was called the shepherding movement where you had to call somebody to find out what color shirt to wear to work. And you had to f find out who call and get permission to, to get in your car and all, all that kind of crap. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a godly relationship that you're in submission to that, that here, here, here's how it comes down. I'm, ta I'm talking about who do you have in your life whose no overrides every yes except scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And on the flip side, who do you have in your life whose yes overrides everybody else's no except for scripture and the Holy Spirit? Therefore, you got to have this kind of thing in your life so that when you're about to pull the plug and get married, you look around and say, hey, you feeling this? And all your godly counselors come around and say, man, this guy's an idiot. He's going to leave. And you go, oh, no confirmation. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell everything I own and, and move to the backside of the desert and be a, a monk. And I'm going to take a vial of silence. And we know you can't keep your mouth shut for two seconds. There's probably not going to be no confirmation. And you ought to listen to that confirmation. It's a safety net for us. See, we need those type of folks in our life.
we need those kind of folks in our life. The, the, the sixth is this, the peace of God. The peace of God is a hearing aid in our life. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And I want you to notice the key phrase here. Please notice the key phrase here. The key phrase, the phrase is this, the peace of Christ. That is a key phrase. Because I'm convinced that many of us become experts at making our own decisions and then claiming the peace of Christ. We make up our mind about what we want to do, and then we slap on the peace of Christ on top of it. And the truth is, is that many of us have become very calm in situations that should cause us to panic. Okay. Um, we we want to claim Christ's approval simply because we've made up our mind. Anybody done that? Anybody? I, I'll be the first to admit. I have done that. I make up my mind a certain way. I pray about it after I've made up my mind, and then I go, oh, I got the peace of Christ. No, I made up my mind and asked for Jesus to approve of the decision I had made. So, okay, some of y'all have known me longer, so you know I'm telling the truth. So, um. So let me, let me say some things to you. This will help you. Too many of us um, claim the peace of Christ when the choices that we are making stand in stark contradiction to the word. And I want you to understand that if you make a decision that stands in stark contradiction to the word, you do not have the peace of Christ. It is not possible. Okay. Second, the peace of Christ cannot be found in choices that lower our standards of righteousness. Won't work. You may have a feeling, and you may confuse that feeling with the peace of Christ, because the peace of Christ is a feeling, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But that is not the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ cannot be found in choices birthed out of selfishness. Cannot happen. Okay. So so the peace of Christ addresses feelings. We know, at least I know, I hope you know this too, we cannot trust our feelings. How many of you know our feelings change on a whim? Like yesterday I felt like being married. But what if I don't feel like being married today? We don't we don't we don't run our life based on feelings. And yet, the, the, the peace of Christ is a feeling. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Let, let me try to help you this morning. The peace of Christ is a feeling that isn't dictated or determined by our feelings. This is how we know whether it's the peace of Christ or just, I wanted to do something and then I said Jesus approved. Let, let me. Okay, I'm trying to help you here. The power of the peace of Christ is this. It will remain even when everything about a situation should cause you to want to quit, cause you to want to run, cause you to want to bail out. That's why I know I made a good decision about who I married and I had the peace of Christ about it because every time I want to quit or bail or run out on it, the peace of Christ still remains and I know we're in this for the long haul because I got the peace of Christ about this situation. You ought to know whether it's the peace of Christ because if it's not the peace of Christ, you will quit. You will give up. 
Okay, y'all are looking at me like I've lost my mind. Uh, Philippians chapter 4. That's all right. I got the peace of Christ this morning. You don't worry me. All right. Uh, the peace of Christ reigns this morning. P Philippians 4 chapter 9. We, we like to read this passage of Scripture, but we don't apply it very well. F Philippians 4 verses 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about everything or anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then this is what he said. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, means it's not dictated by what you're going through, will guard your hearts, so it's a safety net, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's we just stop right there. We don't read the rest of it. We, we will quote the rest of it, but not connected to that part about the peace of Christ. If we understand them in context and we put them together, we see the link. Because he says we will be guarded by the peace of Christ and that it will pass all understanding, right? But listen to how we get it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from us or, or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Do you see the link? We establish the peace of Christ in our life based on the guarding that it is of our heart, number one, and number two, by what we think about. Man. The peace of Christ helps us hear God, but it is birthed in us by what we think about. And then secondly, he says, and what you've heard from me. So not only does what we think about determine whether we have the peace of Christ, who we listen to determines. Man, I am preaching better than y'all are nodding. Okay. Um, and then it says, put these things into practice. So the peace of Christ in your heart will set up rule and reign when you guard your heart, when you think on the right things, when you listen to the right people, and when you do the right things. We want the peace of Christ but we don't guard our heart. We'll give it to anybody or to anything. We want the peace of Christ, but we listen to the wrong people. We want the peace of Christ, but we do the wrong thing. And then we go, man, I can't find the peace of Christ. No, you can't find the peace of Christ. Okay, The peace of Christ is a tool by which we know the voice of God because we make decisions, and when the peace of Christ reigns in our heart, we know we've heard from God. Number seven, circumstances and timing. This is the last one, but if we're not careful, what we will do is we will, we will tend to push this one to the front and center, and in fact, we will elevate it over the Word of God. That's why I purposely put it last. It is a hearing aid that God uses, but it comes after the others. Anybody with me this morning? You understand what I'm saying? We cannot, nor should we ever deny that God pulls strings and makes arrangements for us. Paul made this statement. He said this, God works together all things together for our good. That means he's somewhere in the background working and orchestrating our life, right? 
So, so it is not it is not far fetched, and we should not fail to realize that God is working through circumstances and timing. In fact, uh, Paul lives this out because if you go look in Acts, what, there's a situation that takes place in Acts. It's just one of many, but the one I noticed is in Acts chapter 18. I'm not going to read it to you necessarily. I just want to remind you that in Paul in Acts chapter 18, Paul comes into Corinth and just kind of looks like happenstance. Looks like coincidence looks like just worked out he runs into a couple by the name of uh, Priscilla and Aquila uh, and, and it just so happens that they are tent makers just like Paul and what you realize is if you continue to read through the book of Acts after that chance meeting and they establish a relationship and a working relationship together you suddenly realize that that particular chance relationship is one of the most strategic relationships recorded in scripture Paul was able to do what he did because of his relationship with them that is circumstances and timing so this is what I'm saying out of that I want you to understand that we strongly believe in the ordering of our steps why do I believe that come on why do I believe that because hearing aid number one tells me, I, come on now, connect the dots with me. This all works in tandem with one another. Scripture says that he orders the steps of righteous men. So I also embrace that he can work behind the scenes and cause me to, my steps to be ordered to get somewhere right at the right time, right in the right moment. Okay, I'm, I must be the only one. The, we know that that. When we hide his word in our heart, what does it do? It becomes a light and a path. So we establish hearing aid number one, and when we establish hearing aid number one, it works in tandem, and all of a sudden, our dark path becomes light, and we know where to go. So what's that mean? We embrace the, the hearing aid of opened and closed doors. Our challenge is this. We cannot try to close and refuse to walk through doors that he has opened. Have you ever done that? He opens a door. It's very obvious. And you don't like the door. And so I will do my best to shut the door. Uh, I will refuse to walk through the door. Go ask Jonah how that goes for you. When the door is wide open and you don't want to go. Okay? That's one thing, but also there's a, a flip side that we cannot try to, to break down closed doors. Has anybody in this room ever run up against a closed door in your life that God closed and you decided that you knew better than God and you try to beat the door down? Amen, Pastor, because I'm one of them. I've done that. How many of you know sometimes you get what you deserve? <laughs> how, many, how many of you know you make it harder on yourself sometimes than you should, right? Because I, okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't all by. So, so what I want to say to you this morning then is this. I believe in circumstances and timing. I do believe that you can be in the right place at the right time and things would have happened that would have never happened before any other way. Right? Everybody agree with me? Okay. 
I want to submit to you that this particular hearing aid needs to be used in conjunction with others, the other six. And I want to say to you, please, let me help you, that this one, very seldom should you ever rely on this one all by itself. Because this one it doesn't keep you as safe. Because how many of you know that the enemy of our soul can set you up? And it can, he can make, he is the angel of light. I don't know who told you the devil has horns and a pitchfork, but they were lying. He is an angel of light. He can make things look right, and he can open and close doors as well. And if we don't have the foundation of the other six, and we only rely, and we jump from one circumstance to another circumstance to one timing to another time. Ever met anybody like this? Their walk looks like this. They just ebb and flow. It, this looked right. I thought this job was the one I was supposed to take. And they run over there, and they take that one. But then all of a sudden, hey, a door opens over here. This one looks good too. And they run to this one, and and they're miserable, and then they pine for that one. Oh, if I'd never left one, that one, but you did. Okay, y'all didn't like the job one. Okay, so let's do this one. I go to this relationship, and it looks like it's God's sin, and they look really good in their jeans, and they drive a nice car, and they make me laugh. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. This one looks better, and I saw the bank account. It's even higher than this one, I can tell, because the car is nicer. So I jump to this one, and then I go, oh, but they treated me so nice, and now I if you don't have the other, the other hearing aids in place, this one can jack your life up in a hurry. But, with, but, but at the same time, I want you to understand that if we will use this hearing aid and we will bounce it off His Word and bounce it off the Holy Spirit and bounce it off the prophetic and bounce it off the godly counsel and bounce it off of uh, uh, um, confirmation and bounce it off the peace of Christ, this one can help us walk into incredible opportunities and it can protect us from being miserable. So my question for you this morning is this then. Do you have the hearing aids in place? Or are you just going, huh? What? Can't hear you, God. I'll just do my own thing here. Okay. It's been a long time since I heard you, God, so I think I'm just going to do my own thing. Or do we really know how to hear God? Because <laughs> let's be honest. We all go through quiet seasons. The children of Israel went through 400 years of silence. Most of us have not experienced that. But I would suggest that there's probably somebody in here that's gone through four years of silence. I would, I would probably guess that there there might be somebody in here that's gone through four months where you haven't been able to clearly hear God for weeks. And yet we know that we live on every word that comes out of his mouth. So if I'm not hearing the words that come out of his mouth, how can I stay alive? And desperation has set in. And a panic has set in. And the only help I have for you this morning is that God gives us seven hearing aids to know what to do when we don't know what to do. And if we would em embrace these hearing aids, we would be able to hear more clearly. I, I think 
what I want to do this morning is I want us to take an opportunity and I want us to make sure we need to evaluate. We need to evaluate our own life and say, who do I have in my life that can provide godly counsel? Who in my life can I go to? And if they, if they say no, it will cause me to sit back and go, mm, I need to recalibrate and listen more carefully. Who do I have in my life that if they say yes, I'll keep going? Do you have the peace of Christ that it exists in spite of all the circumstances you're facing right now? Have you checked the circumstances and the timing of your own life to see that God's hand's at work and he's leading and guide you? I want us to pray this morning. I want us to do it like this. John, if you'd come to the keyboard, and he's just going to provide just a little soft music for us. No singing because I don't want I don't want you to become distracted by any other voice. I think it's in very, very important for us to hear God. If you're physically able this morning, if you're not, I understand, but if you're physically able this morning, just for a few minutes, we've got some time. I want you to find a place, whether it's at your chair, maybe you need to move, I don't know, whatever. And I just want you to try to clue into God's voice. And I want you to do some self-evaluation. Do I have these other hearing aids in place so that I can hear them? Father, this morning I pray that as we spend a little time uh, recalibrating our hearing, whether it's been a long time or whether we are frequently and clearly hearing your word, I pray this morning that before we leave, we would evaluate our lives, our relationships, our hearing. We would ask ourselves some very, very tough questions about who's speaking into our life, who's guarding our heart. We would ask some very difficult questions about decisions that we are presently making and whether we've really heard from you or not. I pray that as we clue into that this morning, that you would speak very clearly to us in the next few moments. Because we know your word says this, your sheep know your voice. And then therefore they are able to follow. And we want to be able to follow. I ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. Would you find a place real quick and just spend a few moments. Pastor Woody will come and close in just a moment. But would you just take a few moments and see if you can't hear him clearly this morning.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.